everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Rob Henderson, um, and we're going to discuss a very old movie that seems sort of random, but it, you know, I, I think it's interesting. It's called The Blackboard Jungle. It's a 1955 uh, American film about an inner city school, um, and I learned about this movie uh, because um, uh, it, the uh, uh, it, it's, uh, it was in Derek Thompson's book, Hitmakers. And basically, it launched the um, rock and basically launched rock and roll because you know that's like one o'clock, two o'clock, three rock around the clock. That's what it's called. So the, it opens with rock around the clock, um, and like apparently, like so, like the year before on the Billboard charts, if you look at like the top songs um, before uh, before like the mid nineteen fifties, nineteen fifty five or fifty six or so, it's all stuff that could have been written in eighteen fifty. Um, there's a song called like "Yellow Rose of Texas," which sounds like a ballad from the Civil War or something, right? So that's like nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, early nineteen fifties culture, and then like rock and roll just like takes off with "Rock Around the Clock," which is still like one of the most popular songs uh, of all time. And so this movie actually wasn't that popular. It was like the tenth like uh, most popular movie or something like that uh, into in 1955. Uh, but the song that was at the start of it like really took off. So you know the the movie represents something historically uh, important. Uh, but it's interesting it has Sidney Poitier, Poitier and uh, these other uh, important actors from the time. Um, and yeah, there's just there's just a lot here. Um, I can talk about what sort of struck me the most about it. Um, Rob, what did, what did you think about this movie? Uh, yeah, I mean, I generally enjoy watching old movies uh, just because they're, they're a nice sort of glimpse into a sort of different time, different cultural mores, different sort of setting. And I don't know, I'm just like naturally, um, yeah, just fond of, of these sort of older movies. And, 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 you know, when you, when you sent me the, uh, the, the synopsis or whatever of this movie, and yeah, you sent me the screenshots or, or you know, uh, pictures of Derek Thompson's book. I'm like, okay, this sounds interesting. Sort of the birth of rock and roll. And I wasn't, I wasn't sure what to expect. So it's funny, like about, about a year, year and a half ago, I had this conversation with this, just randomly, this guy who reads my Substack. stack. Uh, he graduated from the same high school I graduated from in California and he graduated in 1955. So he's like, I think he's around, you know, got to be close to 90 now. And I asked him, you know, what was what was Red Bluff High School like in 1955? And he was like, you know, wasn't that, you know, it's like, you know, kids would smoke cigarettes and, you know, occasionally you'd see a kid with a beer or whatever. Like, it just wasn't there wasn't anything bad going on. And I'm like, it's a sharp contrast to what, what the high school was like, you know, at least when I graduated in the, in the late 2000s. Um, and so, you know, I, I see, you know, I read the Wikipedia page for this movie. I'm like, oh, like it's it's it builds itself as like this this movie like the shocking movie of like the, the horrors of the inner city and like these violent miscreants these yeah. hoodlums and i was like oh this is going to be like a, a you know these kids shoplift or like it's not going to be serious and i watched it i'm like oh this, like these it's actually it does portray it as like actually kind of a vicious place i mean it's kind of silly in some ways because they speak with that sort of like 1950s colloquial you know the the the, the language that they use it, it feels a little unserious from that sense but then, like, yeah, the climax of the movie, the kid pulls out a knife. And the, the funniest scene for me, I mean, I shouldn't say it's funny, but it's it was a little bit ridiculous. Where, like, two of the students, like, essentially, I think, try to, like, sexually assault one of the teachers in the library. And and the main character, Dottie, he, like, doesn't he, like, he, like, breaks the glass and, like, has to, like, rescue her from the library from these two guys. I'm like, yeah, this is, like, it's, it's sort of campy because it's in the 1950s and the way that they shoot it. But, um but yeah, like it was, it was actually, um, uh, uh, I, I could see like for that time, why the critics and the, the viewers, like why this might've been a shocking movie for them. So yeah, yeah it, was, and, it was interesting. Yeah. And it has a, um, like a sort of a disclaimer or something, you know, an announcement at the beginning of the movie where it's like, we take juvenile delinquency very seriously and we just have to. So you look at like data from the 1950s. I mean, things don't really get bad until the 1960s. I think there definitely probably was like something going on, but I think society, I mean, it was probably just like, you know, from the baseline, like the great depression, world war two America, like the 1950s probably saw seemed shocking. Oh, it's like, you know, Greece, like these kids with their leather jackets and their drag racing or, or whatever they were into, you know, it gets crazier in the 1960s and 1970s, but yeah, I mean, I think it was, yeah, interesting. The, the sexual aggression, 
Like they wouldn't show this like today. It's like today things got much worse, but like you can't show them as like rapists, like ready to rape any. They would show the woman beating up the young, you know, the woman would beat up the, you know, 15 year old boys or be able to defend themselves. But back then, made like you have You couldn't show like a male teacher rescuing her from like. Yeah, you could not that either, uh, right? Yeah, Yeah, but she wouldn't even be in that situation. She'd slap them and, you know, and beat them. Tell them off. Yeah. Cut them down somehow. Yeah. Or they wouldn't even be rapists. They would just want to like rob someone because like to show that, like, you know, like if someone's like a rapist, that's like different from being a thief or a murderer right it's like a hero cat in a movie can't be like a rapist or a wife beater right like movies and so i think that that's like it's just like so different well these aren't like those weren't like no, no they weren't hero just, you're, yeah, you're yeah. right but it's like it's these like just two students like two vicious students yeah. right right no, I, no, yeah no. you wouldn't you wouldn't see that today in like this kind of like movie this high school setting of like uh troubled troubled youth or whatever you know like yeah you wouldn't show them like trying to sexually assault one of the teachers that's true. I guess, yeah, why Why is that? Is that because it's too horrifying or because it's too graphic? I mean, I think it's something... I think it's something like that. I remember there was a show at Bill Maher's, uh, you know, he, he used to have a show I used to like called Politically Incorrect in the 1990s. And he was talking about there was a wrestler called The Wife Beater. And he said, why do we make such... And people were getting mad. And he's like, why do they get mad about Wife Beater? There's a wrestler called The Hitman. And nobody cares about, is it a hitman worse than a wife beater? And it's like, yeah, it's like, I think there's this like feminist. I, I remember when I was in my crim, criminal law class, we had to talk about the, uh, uh, the, the legal issues surrounding rape. And, the, you know, the, the professor would be very careful. Like, you know, we have to preface this. This is very upsetting. But like, we talk about murder. We talk about people, you know, you know, killing each other and, you know, stuff that should be theoretically just as traumatic. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's something about like, it's sort of like how, like, you know, John McHorder says that, like, the old swear words aren't swear words anymore. Like, racial slurs are, like, the new swear words because that's what's actually taboo. It's sort of like, you know, we have this taboo about, like, race and sexual issues and just, like, portraying rape or showing rape or something like that. Well, is this just, is this just a post-Me Too thing? Because, like, I'm thinking about, like, more recent, you know, like, okay, so The Sopranos has that famous scene with Dr. Melfi when she was assaulted and then um in mad men there's a scene with joan in don's office where her husband rapes her and yeah, you, then, could still sh- um, you could still show rape. you could still show yeah. rape. i think kids it's, it's like they're kids so like they're minors so you shouldn't think that they're that bad that they could uh but they're capable rape. and like yeah. well i think they were i don't remember i think there were two white kids but like yeah like eh, i don't know i guess i guess there is something that feels right to me for some reason and i'm trying to figure out why they wouldn't be able to show something like that today it would be like because like even even like Game of Thrones, right? Like, is that because it you know they they it, it takes place in like a fantasy world, a different era? Because like there's isn't it, like I've never seen the movie, but or the show, but a lot of people tell me there's like well, Game graphic, of Thrones was things. very politically incorrect in the early season because it stuck very closely to the um the source material, which was 1990s novels, and then it got ahead of the novels and sort of became more politically correct in later uh, uh, seasons. Um, but but yeah, but, when but I was that, lost- yeah. Good. Yeah. But when I was in law school, yeah, that was uh, like 2011, 2012. Uh, so back then, like it was, you know, yeah, this is my whole life. You don't joke about, you know, you don't make a joke about, uh, it's gotten more. So I remember there was this one family guy episode where they were making fun of, um, they were like a freshman orientation. So they were making fun of like this wokeness diversity. So this is the early 2000s, like before it became really crazy. And, um, and there was like this, this guy who's like this, uh, bureaucrat that he's doing the freshman orientation. He's like, women, he's like, look to the man to the left of you, the man to the right of you. Statistics say both of them will rape you. And then, oh, and, then one, and then one guy goes, I won't rape you. And the other one goes, I might. Right. Oh, I and this was, yeah, this yeah, was family guy. This was early family guy. Like, I don't think they would do this anymore. This was early 2000s. Um, you're right. So it did, it did change like between 2005 and 2020, like you couldn't even like family guy, something edgy. You couldn't do that. Uh, yeah, I do think it's like feminism and then it's like me too. It's like, this stuff is just so, so bad. Like it's so like so prohibited. It's extra taboo. Well, so that was like the most shocking. Yeah. Because like generally like, oh, this is like, you know, uh, how bad can, you know, high schoolers in the 1950s really be? And yeah, I thought about like Greece, you know, like, okay, so they're going to be, yeah, like speeding and drinking and smoking, but like, you know, how, how, how bad, but then like that scene was like, oh yeah. Okay. So these, like, they're, they're trying very hard to show these kids as monsters. And like that scene where they assault the teacher, uh, that was like pretty bad. Like, well, the other, they basically try to jump like, like the, they, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's shocking. They try oh, yeah. to jump. Well, they, they, the, beat up, they beat up Dottie like later. They, they keep trying to beat up their yeah. teacher. Like they keep trying to kill, <laughs> like, kill him. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 do, yeah they, they jump him in an alleyway. 
yeah, that was pretty. Yeah, that was funny too. Actually, like yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, at the end they pull a knife on him. Uh, so yeah, like these, it was like you know, it was really interesting to see. Like, is this what was this like people's first exposure to like what inner city life was like? Like you know, most Americans, yeah, you know, they probably don't know, and so they see this movie and they're like, oh, this is really bad. Um, one thing that I, I thought was interesting was like the perspective of this movie where if a similar movie were to be made today, like, you know, there've been kind of similar, like coach Carter, like that wasn't that recent, but like when I was in high school, I remember that movie came out and was really popular. The, did, did you see this, the Samuel L. Jackson based on a true story, he plays like a basketball coach in the inner city and these kids who are troubled and messed up and whatever. And he like sort of helps them to whatever, like he's a mentor to them, but like it focuses on any kind of movie like this. Now it like has to focus on how bad the kids' lives are. And like, that's why they're so awful now. Uh, whereas this movie, uh, Blackboard Jungle, it's like it takes the perspective of the authority figures and the teachers, right? Like, we're just here trying to do our jobs and teach these kids. And these kids are just like animals. You know, they're just like totally uncontrollable. And, uh, and yeah, he has these, you see Dottie, the, the main teacher, like interacting with the other the other teachers and like the the whatever, the principal and stuff. And they're just like, you know, you got to get through. You just got to teach these kids. Like, they're they're unteachable. They're monsters. Um yeah, it was really like to to have like a a movie take the the side of the teacher rather than the student. Like that was really interesting to so, see. So I don't yeah, think so, see that anymore. So for people who haven't seen the movie, we could just give a, a, a like a short, just like yeah. plot summary because it's, it's, there's not all that much. Uh, it's like it, this is like a genre by now where like a teacher goes in, like it, it, you know they always they often show the teachers, but a teacher goes into like a tough like you know high school. I think they're high they're you know high school kids. Um, yeah, and so he's a World War II veteran. His name is uh, Dadie. He's Dadie. Um, they call him Daddy O, which they think is really uh, funny. Um, Richard uh, Dadie is the guy's uh, name. Um, and basically, it's like, you know, there's shenanigans and he's trying to reach. It's like stand and deliver, like dangerous minds. Like, you know, <laughs> this is. Like, yeah, maybe this is like the first of that. I don't know if this was like, this might have been like the original from that genre. I don't know. Like, there might have been something before it, but it looks like it could have head off this, this entire genre. And that's basically, that's basically like the entire plot. Um, oh, and his wife is pregnant. And, um, you know, they're, uh, you know, he's, uh, like someone is sending his wife letters, you know, there's a second uh, telling him, like, you know, your wife, your husband is, uh, is fooling around. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. was that the students? Was that the students? Yeah. Yeah. It turned out to be, it, yeah. Yeah. Spoiler. There's all the spoilers here, but yeah, it turned out to be that bad kid, right? Artie West. Um, oh, right. the, the mean, the mean blonde one. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, but you're right about like showing like why they're screwed up. Like often they will go, um, in the modern movies, they'll show their family situation. So they'll say, oh, he, you know, they've got a mom who doesn't care or they've got a broken home or, or whatever. Um, and in this, you don't, you don't even know that these kids have families. Like you don't see any, it's, there's no role in like their families. And you know, this made sense because their like family breakdown wasn't like as big of a problem um back then right even so, even like, for like poor like blue collar whatever low income right like all yeah. of those kids almost Probably. all of them had a mom and a dad at home right yeah maybe i mean maybe, maybe this was the worst of the worst. you know maybe five percent didn't have and maybe these were the bottom maybe this was supposed to be the toughest five percent of the population or whatever um yeah. but that was like it was literally like five percent out of wedlock birth rate at that point in in the 1950s so like it's possible but like even then, most of those kids, you know, like, yeah, yeah. So, so no, you know, no, but if, if it was right? like, if it was like the, the worst school in New York City, in the inner city, it could have been much higher than 5%, right? It could have been. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, okay. I guess like theoretically it's possible, but, but yeah, like if they went to most, yeah, that would have been an interesting. They'd go to their, yeah. It, I wonder if that didn't even occur to like the filmmakers. Like it just wasn't like, yeah, to show a broken they probably home. Did. Yeah. Because right. the broken home, the concept of the broken home didn't even like really exist yet. Uh, and so like that couldn't have worked as <laughs> like, they didn't even try to explain these kids because like, yeah, yeah, there, there was, was no, right, no, right. There wasn't like they no were spoiled. It wasn't cause. like they had it too good. Yeah. There was no environment or like it's genetic, but I guess, but like, why, why are they bad? But now movies don't show that, right? Yeah. Movies have to have an environmental cause. Like that's just looks better on a screen to show that. And so, yeah, like that's, uh, I found that like that interesting too. I mean, and yeah, uh, Dottie, he has a, a, a wife. I looked up the actor and the actress, like, she, I think, so he was like almost, I think it was in his late forties when he played that role and the actress was like 25 or something. So she was like literally half his age. And uh, I this, I think this was, because people today, like a lot of feminists and a lot of like critics and stuff, they complain today, you know, they look at like Tom Cruise and then the love interest and like, oh, Tom Cruise is so much older than the love interest. This has been going on in Hollywood for much longer. And I think it used to be worse because, so I just saw 
at the cinema nearby where I live, uh, they were showing Vertigo, this old Alfred Hitchcock movie from 1958. And even then, like, uh, uh, I don't remember the guy's name, um, but the main actor was essentially like twice as twice as old as like the, the two women who were interested in him. And it's like, I think like that was just like, now I think they, there's a little bit of, uh, the, the gap has shrank somewhat. But I think like back when movies used to be made, like it was just an accepted that like, yeah. oh yeah, the male is going to be 40 or 50 and the woman's going to be 22. Like, that's just yeah. normal. I mean, because it makes, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. This is what people's preferences, right? The male preference goes down for women, you know, as they age and not so much for men. I mean, this is just, these people are sort of mad at nature. But, but what I find interesting is that like, it's not, it's never like common to, because I think in, in the real world, that's not how marriages looked in 1950. I think like, you know, there's always been an age yeah. gap, but not, not 25 years, not twice as old as the wife. But, but they're not, but they uh, don't but it's have never to necessarily point it out. Yeah, but in the show, they're not, they don't, in the movie, they're not necessarily the same age they are in real life. Like maybe Dadier was supposed to be 35 and she was supposed to be 30. Like, okay, so it's like maybe the, right. but they just had a 40, a man who's actually That's 40. That's possible, but like, I, the reason I even looked it up, because like, to me, the visible age gap is so apparent that I'm like, <laughs> This guy's yeah. pretty old. This guy's getting up there, and she looks very young. So I yeah. looked it up. I'm like, okay, but but maybe like suspension of disbelief, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, well, yeah. They, so so yeah, the whole. And then I think he was supposed to be like a, a war veteran, which I guess makes sense for the time, right? 1955. And he's trying to like you know talk to these other teachers. Also, the other thing is like I think most of the teachers, or at least half of them, were male. And I, I was curious about that too. Like, has not not half like, of them, all yeah. of them except one, I think. That's what I remember. Except that too. one woman one who they teacher. they try to they try to rape. Yeah, yeah, the one, and and so that is unique too, right? Where like today, the vast majority of teachers are male or female, rather. Right? Like, was that actually like did that reflect reality in the 1950s? Were like most teachers for high school or inner cities or whatever, like? Has that ever been the case where the majority I, of men I, were teachers? That was shocking to me. I assumed that they were. I didn't think about it. Um, well, okay. Look, here's a quora. It says in the U.S. teachers have been predominantly female since the 1880s. Well, uh, that's interesting. Okay, I know, I didn't know like, that. Yeah, teachers have been like a female-dominated profession. And so I just wondered, like, why yeah. did the movie choose to show, like, the staff or the faculty of this high school as, like, majority male? Um, yeah. yeah, it could have been. It could have. Well, it could have been like ele- maybe elementary and high school were different. I mean, maybe high school was seen as more of a professional job, or elementary school was just sort of local. And you know, nineteen fifties like school, local like elementary schools, they didn't, they didn't have federal involvement yet. It was a very sort of, I think, you know, a very very local sort of, probably not very well paying uh, kind of job. While the high school, I think, might have been more, you know, like higher paying and maybe attracted more men. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. It, you know, maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was the gender segment. Maybe they all assumed like high school boys would try to rape any woman they saw. And like maybe in high school was because they, they, they did it that way. Because they treat her, they treat the woman like, um, like, oh, wait till they see it's, it's not like they treat like it's normal for. And I think this was, you know, there's one, there's this one, uh, funny line where he's like, you know, I'm going to go to a girl's school. The other guy's like, think about the 20 year jail sentence. You couldn't make that joke oh, today yeah, because it was yeah, like, you wouldn't that. even like the, you wouldn't even like the younger girl, right? That's like, you could, you'd be a pedophile or something today. Uh, but no, yeah, they, the, they make the, that the joke. The thought is so not I, allowed to occur to you, right? Yeah. Like, and that so wouldn't like, even I think, occur. I, so I think for when they get into like, teenage years i think there was maybe more of a trend towards segregation by sex like they didn't put older men with women and they didn't put women with young men just because of all the problems that seems to me like possibly what was this was an all-male school yeah yeah that's right right, that's right yeah so maybe that's why i mean yeah yeah, that and that was interesting to me too is like you can almost like yeah it it also maybe for disciplinary reasons because like yeah if you're if you're a woman trying to teach an all-male inner city school like the likelihood of any of them listening to you is like almost zero whereas like yeah if you have like a lot of male teachers present like the possibility of like them actually it's interesting it before, before you said higher. that it's an old male school yeah i hadn't even thought of it but yeah it is an all male school there was no females yeah. and i'd never even i never never even crossed my mind yeah yeah that stood out to me and like yeah yeah so there were yeah there were a lot of interesting things about this and like yeah i have no idea how how accurate of a reflection of reality this is but yeah like all the male teachers like a male school um yeah like the surprising like brutality of the the students and like yeah I, I guess like now i can see like why this this had that sort of cultural footprint and then yeah i mean it's funny like today we hear that that song and it sounds like very um almost wholesome 
right? Like it's an old news rock song. And it's like, you know, if you heard, if you heard like teenagers listening to that today, you'd think like, oh, what a nice group of kids. But I think my understanding was from that, those excerpts you sent me. And then like, I read a bit about the history of that song is like, this was like a song that it was like to celebrate uh, uh, mischief, right? Like, like college students would play this and like, you know, whatever, like they, they would like dance to it at parties and drink to it. And it was like an entry, like rock and roll as a genre was like an entryway into like, you know, because I think like we just accept it as a culture that, oh, being a teenager, you're supposed to be rebellious and do drugs and have sex and do all these crazy things. And I think like before this movie and before rock and roll, like I don't think teenage like the the concept of being a teenager and being a troublemaker, like those two things like didn't really exist in like the cultural imagination. It was sort of memed into existence. And now we just take it for granted, which I find that like that, that part is interesting, too. And it started with such a like an innocent sounding wholesome song. <laughs> well, to our ears, if to our ears. listen to listen to the Yellow Rose of Texas, it, it was like the number it was like number one or number close to number one of the Billboard chart. It's like Yellow Rose of Texas, I love her. It's like this was what was topic like the, the charts before this era, right? It was like the stuff that was from like it sounded like the eighteen hundreds. So the culture was sort of stagnant, and you can imagine like a rock around the clock to like somebody who's just like, to like Civil War ballads, right? Um, which seemed, which <laughs> yeah. seemed pretty shocking. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is from. Uh, uh, Thompson's book, The Universe, he says the reaction to Blackboard Jungle was something like hysteria, not just among teenagers, but also among their parents and politicians. Kids danced in the aisles of movie theaters and blasted the songs from their cars. On May 17, 1955, the Philadelphia Inquirer reported that Princeton University dorms held a competition to play the song as loudly as possible from the rooms. As around midnight, the students emptied the, into the quad, set fire to trash cans, and chanted up and down the streets. Meanwhile, several major American cities censored the film. The mayor of Memphis forbade teenagers to see it while Atlanta tried to ban the movie after an alderman's wife complained that it threatened the peace, health, and morals and good order uh, of this city. That's the funny thing about like Memphis. How what a like what a what a you know what a terrible city Memphis is. <laughs> Sitting in fear of the uh, you know there's a you know it's Stephen Pinker's uh, the Better Angels of Our Nature when he's trying to explain like the increase in crime in the night you know. It's, argument is the cry you know violence has decreased over the long period of time but he acknowledges the the rise since the 1960s um and he goes you know he's made, he's like you know what are the theories he's like dismisses the economic stuff and other like that and he's like you know those people in the 1950s who are squares who warned us about rock and roll was going to like destroy the world it turns out they were right like there was this cultural change that just sort of shifted everything and so you look at like memphis and, you know, like Memphis was probably like a safe city in the 1950s, um, as it was probably Atlanta. And the people who weren't about this stuff were completely right. I mean, this did sort of break down the culture and it just like, you know, people, I think, don't acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of a like broadly, like from a kind of social scientific perspective, it's interesting, like the whole debate. You know, I'm thinking about like the debate with like video games and music and television and like and music like does, does any of this actually have an effect on behavior like at least like the video game research you know supposedly the conclusion is like it has no effect or if there is an effect it's like reverse causation where it's actually violent kids are more likely to play by video games or whatever but then like you know i read things like this and then i see like in reality especially music man like it has such a strong effect on young people and their behavior and like their willingness to behave in a certain way or like there's a reason why they play certain kinds of songs at like nightclubs right like if they started playing um you know jazz or mozart or like classical music uh at, at like your standard nightclub like people would not like people behave very differently right and so so yeah I, I, like there is something yeah about rock and roll that i think like had a like a sort of underrated effect on american society and on like youth culture and yeah, like it sort of like uh, was uh, it like sort of inaugurated like what would happen during like the the sexual revolution in the nineteen sixties. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was. I don't think it's that underrated. I mean, I think it's like acknowledged as sort of a historical watershed. Although people wouldn't want to connect to crime and this other stuff. Yeah, I mean the video game stuff. Like I remember when I was a kid, Mortal Kombat was a big deal. You remember? Are you old enough to remember this? Where uh, Mortal Kombat, there was like one of them. It was either Sega Genesis would let you see blood, like you hit someone and the blood would come out. But Nintendo was more wholesome. So, like, if you bought it for Super Nintendo, they wouldn't show blood. I think, like, green stuff would come out if you hit them or something. And so this was a little thing. Eventually, the Mortal Kombat games become, became, you know, more explosive. Everyone allowed blood, and it became maybe still not Nintendo. Nintendo Nintendo might have stayed wholesome. It wasn't a – yeah, man, I, I hope I'm remembering this correctly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at that point, like – but, like, that wasn't going to be – like, seeing one more game 
that's like Mortal Kombat with like blood is probably going to make a difference. But like going from like the 1950s to the 1960s, I think opening that floodgate, like for the, you know, like just putting it in people's minds that like this is a, an option. Uh, unquestionably. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, I don't mean like it was underrated in terms of like, you know, it's acknowledgement in terms of like, uh, um, whatever, like it's popularity or something, but I mean, in terms of like actually changing behavior, right? Like if rock and roll had never existed, like, I think like behavior would have been measurably different, uh, in terms of probably sexual behavior, drug use, probably like, you know, crime too, uh, as you pointed out. And, uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it started, started with this movie and with that well, song. I- yeah, I mean, the question is, would that have happened anyway? Because this is one of the things that Thompson's, the chapter in the book, um, sort of speculates on. Like, if if it wasn't for Blackboard Jungle and uh, Rocker on the Clock, like, would would it have happened anyway? It sort of suggests, the history suggests maybe not, or would have been something else. Like, maybe it would have been, like, early hip-hop or something. Like, an early version of hip-hop or something would have maybe came along that made people a little bit crazy just because, whatever, you know, like, religion was declining communications technology was opening up. There were like, you know, people were, the culture was going to change. I, I don't think the culture was going to likely to just stay the same. Uh, there was just too much, too much, too much uh, going on in the world. Uh, but what form it would have taken, like, you know, who knows? Um, who knows? Like the song literally, it's literally possible. This song, like, determined the entire course of America, like after the 1950s. I mean, it's like an amazing thought, um, but, you know, I could see the argument for it. I don't think it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm thinking about like I remember when I watched uh, when I rewatched Mad Men a couple of years ago. Um, one thing that that recurred throughout, like you know, I think three or four different times, a character in Mad Men said, like if they're trying to like justify something, like Roger would say, like, well, like the song says, enjoy yourself, uh, and then he would whatever have another drink, and uh, and I think like this was an interesting sort of like illustration of how like at this point, right, like music had sort of uh, you know. Uh, um, become pervasive and like the the lyrics people would remember them like you'd have these jingles you'd have these songs and like people would just sort of defer to that as like an authority to like justify something they wanted to do and then act on it and so i mean yeah maybe it's not doesn't necessarily like change behavior like gets you to do something you wouldn't do but if you want to do something and then the song is playing or it's you know has some lyrics that you find captivating or it makes you feel in a certain way then you'll act on that thing that you would have you wanted to do anyway and maybe you would have ordinarily inhibited yourself but you because yeah. the music didn't yeah i mean when i was a kid when we grew up at the same you know around the same time it was like yeah hip-hop like kids who were like uh you know like just got together and drank or smoked weed they would listen. We had three, six mafia, like, you know, local in Chicago. And we just like, we'd listen to this stuff and it's like, yeah, kill, you know, get, get them, get them hose, uh, you know, uh, smoke a blunt. Like, especially like, yeah, we'd smoke bloods and listen to like Nelly, you know, tell us, you know, pass around the blood and how cool it is and how that's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe we would have yeah. smoked pot anyway, but like the fact that this was like this art form telling us that like, this is what is cool. It's not just you're a loser wasting your life. Uh, yeah, I think that that like that that you know unquestionably influenced people. It's not like yeah, it's not like crazy that like uh, uh, you know culture affects children. I mean, I think it's just insane that we pretend the opposite. Yeah, I mean, I remember getting to this discussion uh, with with this other student at Cambridge a few years ago, and so we were discussing like like taboo research in the social sciences, and she was basically saying like you know okay, so like I accept that this research is real. But, you know, if this information were to get out there, like, you know, this this might, uh, you know, increase, uh, you know, whatever discrimination or prejudice or something. So, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure. Like, it's, you know, yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it reflects reality. But I don't know if people should be, you know, whatever, uh, uh, completely exposed to all of this. You know, let's you know sort of keep it between us intellectuals or something like that. Uh, and then, like, later, she and I had this conversation about music and she was t- telling me how much she loved hip hop and all this kind of music and stuff. And, uh, and then I, I, I kind of made the same argument to her where I, well, I, I basically took the opposite stance where I was like, yeah, like, I enjoy this music, too. I like the music, but I don't know if it's, like, the greatest thing in the world for this to be playing everywhere, especially for, like, young people who have no guidance and blah, blah. And she was like, well, the artists are just sort of... Um, you know, they're, they're, they're the, they're reflecting reality through their artwork, right? Like they're describing their upbringing and what's cool and what's popular and what's exciting. And these are just sort of, uh, you know, they're, they're just artists trying to paint a picture of reality. And so it was interesting, like this sort of asymmetry here, where for me, I was saying like, okay, so we have the science and it's true. So we should tell people. And, and she was saying, okay, so we have this art and it's, you know, it, it reflects reality to some extent. Uh, and therefore it should, you know, it should be um, uh, widely known and widely popular and widely exposed. And we just had like sort of differing views about like, for her, if the science is known, this could be bad for society. And for me, it's like, if the music is popular, that could be bad for society. Um 
And yeah. so, so yeah, I think there's this like, uh, your argument like, sounds much like better a, that like people are influenced by rap rather than social science, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> well, I think, ridiculous. I think that's, yeah. I think that's right. I think that's, that's probably true. Um, but I, I just find it interesting that like people have these differing intuitions about like which parts of like quote unquote reality, whether, whether it, whether depicted through art or, or sort of discovered through science, whether it should be, um, you know, widely known or widely distributed or something. I'm like, yeah, I think, I think that's probably right. Like, like rap is just so much more compelling music in general, right. Is more interesting. And, uh, and yeah, like I remember doing all the same things you're talking about with, um, yeah, doing drugs or hanging out or you know, just whatever, getting into trouble and like playing the music, like the music in the background, it was just like part of life. And it was part of like, you know, it felt like, uh, whatever, like these artists, the musicians, like they were what, like, um, what, like emboldening you somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think, you know, I, I'm not, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know how you feel, but I'm not like completely like negative on like the changes of like the 1960s. Like, I don't think I would have liked to be in a 1950s, you know, uh, America. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I sort of like the idea of there's more, you know, freedom. You can go out, you could meet people, you could sort of experiment with different things. So yeah, I, I think it's complicated. I think you acknowledge the cost. You acknowledge the, the broken yeah. homes, well, the crime, I, the disorder. Uh, yeah. and then just like, but like the, you know, freedom in like the very broad, like liberal sense does appeal to people too. And are people happier or unhappier in the end? I'd say probably happier. I mean, I, I'm sort of a liberal in that way. Uh, but I could see, I could see the argument on the other side. Well, when I, when I think about like, okay, so, so like the 1950s, um, and like, yeah, you know, watching these kinds of movies, uh, movies from that era, like, I think like, yeah, in, I, I, yeah, I think it's appealing to me, right? Like, yeah, having that kind of freedom and the music and like, whatever, like the, the sort of, um, uh, widespread availability of the automobile and all these kinds of things like, yeah, that, that appeals to me. And, and then, yeah, when I, when I look further back than that, like, uh, you know, if, if you look like the 1930s or like, yeah, like what you were describing earlier about like how all the music was sort of stuck in like the 19th century where you had these civil war ballads or like these whatever patriotic songs or something like that just sounds awful to me that like, especially before the car, right. Where you're stuck in your little town in your own little community, you can't meet people. You can't. It, so I think if you're, especially if you have like a certain kind of personality type, if you're high on openness and you're just a smart, curious person, like that would be brutal to like not be able to meet other smart, like-minded people. Um, so yeah, there is like, uh, yeah, there are trade-offs and I'm not, yeah, I think like at a certain point, I think we went a little too far, but yeah, I think, um, before the 1950s, definitely not. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I think like, yeah, there are trade-offs and it's, but, but then on the other, like, it's like, like generally I think liberalism is good, good for people like you and me, but then for most people, right? Like it's probably, probably hasn't been that great. Um, so yeah, there, yeah, there's sort of, I don't know about most people. It's hard, it's, it's hard, it's hard to say. You know, it's hard to say. Like people at the very bottom, yeah, but like just like the average, you know, housewife in like 1950s, like she probably didn't like she probably wanted a little more freedom. Maybe I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they. Well, I think like right. well, probably elite housewives didn't like it, but I think like probably like middle class or or below. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure how you know how bad things yeah. how bad things were. The uh, um, yeah yeah. One thing I want to talk. So the one thing that I found so interesting was the um. So one of the characters, so one of the characters, so there's two main student characters. There's this guy named Arnie, who's just like bad. He's nothing supposed to, uh, Artie, Artie. And he's, he's just bad. He like tries to like, you know, attack the teacher. He's the one who, spoiler alert, is sending, uh, letters to his wife telling, uh, uh, Dolly, Dadia's wife telling him that, you know, his, his, uh, uh, her husband's cheating and, and he almost has a miscarriage, right? The wife almost has a miscarriage from all this, this stress, right? I think the, the, oh, baby, yeah, the yeah, baby survives, yeah, yeah. the baby survives though. Um, and, uh, the, um, <clears throat> But there's this other student who's like, you know, a heart has, has sort of a heart of gold, is like a leader, uh, but is like, you know, but, you know, is also a bad kid, but also has like a good side. And he's, he's Sydney, he's, uh, Sydney, uh, Potier. He's, uh, black, obviously. His name is Greg, Greg Miller. And I was so surprised. Like, I, the one thing that I was surprised of the 1950s culture was how contemporary sort of the racial issues were. Um, well, first of all, it, it was, it was like, yeah, it was sort of contemporary, but also like in a way, it was like almost like pretending society was like more progressive than we pretend today. So like this, this is an almost all white school. There's a handful of blacks, right? Um, there's this one, uh, Hispanic kid. Uh, I think it's supposed to be Puerto Rican. Um, but the, but yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. There, uh, but this guy, uh, Greg Miller, 
uh, is like a sort of leader and the primarily white student body, like they all look up to him as like their leader. Now, if you have like a, you know, like lower class whites, uh, kids today, I don't think they look, they necessarily look to the black guy as their leader. I think, you know, lower class whites, it's a very politically incorrect thing to say. Maybe even our conservative listeners will not like this, but yes, there is racism among young, uh, young, uh, lower class white, uh, white men, right? Our white boys. Um, but here are they are in the 1950s, and there's like no racial issue. He's just their leader, uh, not not officially like their leader, but just like a guy who's sort of like the alpha male in the class. And you know, it's interesting. It's interesting that they would portray. Like, I don't think this was reality. Like in the 1950s, I don't think this would have been the reality of like how kids would have responded to like a black student in class. They probably would have you know fought with him like anyone else. I don't think they all would have like lynched him on the first day or anything. But I think there would have been racial tensions. Um, and, yeah, there were and, no racial tensions really, were there? Like, I didn't really see any like any no, kind of nothing. ethnic conflict. They make fun of him. Like, you know, they make fun of the, the Mexican, other the Hispanic kid. They like make fun of his English skills or something. And he's like, Hey, cut that out. Right. But, but it's not a serious, it's not a serious problem. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. And then, um, well, yeah, the Sydney, what is his name is Gregory, Gregory in the, in the movie. And yeah, they, they, they accepted him as like the default and, and no one pointed it out. Like uh, Dottie, he didn't say like, wow, they're letting you be there. Yeah, yeah. Like this not is kind totally of no, remarkable. Yeah. And, and then there was the, um, there was also that other interesting scene. Who was it? Was it, uh, was it Artie? Someone, someone reported Dottie to, was it the school principal for racial remarks? Oh, because he said, he said the N word in class as like an illustration of like why you shouldn't use these slurs, right? Like it's like this very, yeah, like you said, like very contemporary, uh, in terms yeah, like, like yeah. this stuff, this stuff still happens, right? <laughs> Where like, if you use the word, even, even in a certain specific context, where you clearly do not endorse its, you know, venomous intent or something, uh, you know, you could still get reported. <laughs> and so, so somebody reports Dadier for using this word in, in like a pedagogical, cause he, cause he also uses like, you know, he, he says like Mick and Spick and all these other words too. Uh, but like, so they're, Oh, you know, reporting him for, for, for racial prejudice. And the principal actually like, like gives him a sort of, uh, 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 you know, he sort of condemns him and talks to him and says, you know, you can't do this. And then yeah, Dottie defends himself. And, you know, in, th- in this sense, like, I thought that was realistic where he was like, no, I was, you know, he explained what, what the case was. And then the principal just accepted it. And was like, okay, that makes sense, whatever. But yeah, the fact that like that was even a punishable offense or was like serious enough for him to be um, issued any kind of potential penalty was, was shocking to me. You know, because at least like the the potted history of the 1950s that we get now is like everyone is a racist. It was just acceptable to say whatever you wanted. And I, I don't know how accurate the movie was again, like compared to reality. But that was like very interesting that you couldn't just be you know racist as a teacher back then. Yeah. Yeah. So the um, yeah. So, yeah, it was interesting because Dottie is like. Well, first of all, they accept his, this is something different from today. Like they accept his explanation that it was in context. So like, you know, today it wouldn't matter what the context was, but the fact that they accept it is you know, something different. But um, yeah, the fact that he's so like, sh- like I-, I have racial prejudice. I don't have a racial prejudice. Like the fact that like, you know, a guy yeah. in the 1950s is told he was racist. I would have thought like he would have been like, yeah, so what? Like, like, so maybe, 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 maybe I don't like that. Mexican <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't think he would have yeah. been like that sh- shocked. Like it was the worst thing, you know, you yeah. can accuse him of. Um, and yeah, the, uh, and yeah, it's, um, yeah. So the, like the moralized, like the moral lesson that like nobody should be prejudiced and like we have to overcome prejudice. It was like, it was there in the 1950s. You know, I've seen some things. Yeah. I, and I, but I, I sort of had seen hits of like this, wasn't this like, you know, this, uh, sort of a uh, picture of the 1950s work we've always getting where everyone was just unapologetic, apologetically racist. Was it like with reality? I saw like Iglesias or some, one of these smart liberals on Twitter, uh, post like a, uh, like a Superman comic or something from the 1940s and 50s, like lecturing kids against racism. Like a bunch of kids want to beat up another kid for being a different race or something. And he's like, no, no, we're all Americans, Johnny. And it's like, so they had this sort of like what you'd call woke, proto woke propaganda. Like it was a, apparently part of like the culture of the 19, uh, you know, forties and the 1950s. Uh, but of course doesn't take off and become, you know, prominent until the 1960s. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it just feels so, it feels so contemporary, right? It's like, like this idea of like, he's just the leader and race doesn't matter. That's like sort of a 1980s, 1990s thing. Like that would be even hard to, you know, that would be hard to do today. Um, but the um, the idea that like racism is bad and we should all not be racist and we should all you know uh, treat each other as individuals it's it feels very very contemporary I was I was surprised by that the gender stuff 
feels completely out of date because like the, the wife, you know, the, the younger wife goes, do you think I'm pretty? Like, she's just wondering, do you think I'm pretty? Like, she's very like, you know, the way the males and females uh, interact with one another. One point, the, uh, the female teacher, like one of them makes a joke, like, oh, you're going to be the teacher. They better have the national guard ready. And she's like, oh, like, you know, she's like, she's like very, you know, she's like very uh, flattered by this compliment. Um, so it's just this gender stuff just completely changed while the race stuff just seems like, yeah, it seems like Groundhog Day. It seems like 1950s. A lot of stuff was this, the lessons were the same as today. Yeah, that is it. Yeah, a lot of those scenes could have taken place. Yeah, in like 1999, right? Like that scene could have easily taken place of like the teacher being called in for racial prejudice and then explaining himself and being exonerated. But, you know, being offended that somebody even call him racist in the first place was just outrageous. And so, yeah, I, yeah, I'm wondering like, you know, okay, so if you if you went to an actual teacher in 1955, would they really care about being called racist? Or was this like, um, yeah, was this like a sort of proto-woke, like trying to um, sort of meme uh, anti-racism into being by like depicting a society and, uh, uh, you know, promoting colorblindness or something like that? Like how, how much was it like a reflection of reality versus sort of an aspirational, you know, on, on the part of the filmmakers and the writers of like, wouldn't it be nice if race didn't matter? So let's make this movie, you know, in this way. I don't really know because on the one hand it's supposed to be it's supposed to be like shocking, right? It's supposed to be this movie about like inner city hoodlums and the violence and the chaos and the disorder. And so in a weird way, I almost think like, why would you why would you sugarcoat the racism part of it? Like, okay, yeah. so they're violent, they're rapists, yeah. they, you know, knife wielding thugs, they beat right. up their teachers. Why would they also be racist? You know, yeah. like is 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 it like is racism, was that like the ultimate taboo even in the 1950s yeah. where you could be like all these bad things, but you couldn't yeah. be racist? Yeah, now you can't be a rapist and you can't be a racist. Today, you can't be a rapist, right? But you could be you could be a racist. Yeah, <laughs> you could be a racist. <laughs> yeah, that is an interesting way of putting it. Like, I think that like, so like, you know, we talked about Oppenheimer and I'm reading the uh, biography. And so it was like, this is a very elite circles for Oppenheimer, right? And, but there was a book called Realignment about like sort of the New Deal coalition and like economic liberalism and like uh, social liberalism and liberalism on race were pretty well correlated even by the time of the, um, uh, of uh, Roosevelt, right? Uh, that was, you know, that was already sort of baked in. So it was like, maybe it was just something that like, you know, yeah, elite Americans, you know, did, it's so interesting. I mean, because like interracial marriage, like even in the 1990s, you don't see interracial couples um, a lot, very often in shows. Like it's just like when we were we were kids, like they had classified ads in the paper or like, yeah, whatever, dating ads. And they would be like, it was completely normal to write single white male looking, or single white female looking for single white male. Nobody thought that was strange. It was like, I just assumed that like people could like uh, form families like within their own racial group. And that was like in the, into the 1990s. Now like, you know, I don't know if like, okay, Cupid, they still even like allow this uh, racial stuff. There's probably, you know, there's con- at least you don't talk about it. You know, it's, it's controversial to say I prefer only to date white people or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, but like, yeah, the idea that like, otherwise, besides that, besides like da- dating and marriage, I suppose. Right. And Pottier like stars in a movie, guess who's coming home to dinner. Right. Which, which actually addresses this directly. So that's like the next step in this evolution. Uh, but besides that, like, yeah, Gregory is exactly like everyone else. There's sort of a pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Cause there's one, this one part where he's like, I'll be a mechanic because people don't care what, color you are as long as the car gets fixed and he's like you know that's all i could do as a black man or something like that and then like that he's like that's no excuse he's like i think he mentions like some like a successful black people he's like you know ralph bunch <laughs> and like a, like i forget the other names i didn't recognize the other names you know who ralph bunch was he was a uh i think he was a so when i was at ucla like the gym was i think named after him i think he was like a tennis player who became like a u.n ambassador or something like that um, so yeah, it's Bunch Hall was where the, which had the political science department at UCLA. Um, and so, yeah, he, I remember, I just remember the Ralph Bunch and he mentioned some other black guys who'd, uh, succeeded in American society. Um, and so, yeah, there's like, you know, this like, don't make racism an excuse, which is, you know, contemporary. it's not 2020, but it's like, you know, 1985 or 1995. Uh, yeah, well, I think like even that. all the way up to like 2000, all the way up to like 2010, I think yeah. that would have been like yeah. unremarkable in a movie. To like say like yeah racism exists but you still have to work hard but then yeah, after the great awakening that became um yeah that became forbidden but yeah like that yeah i think like the whole like the racial dynamics in general right like it's like lower class irish italian i guess like the hispanic kid he's probably puerto rican i think there was it might have been two hispanic kids and then the one black kid 
Uh, I don't know if there were any other like black kids in the in, in the class, but I think there was. Yeah, I, I remember at least one other black kid. There was one other, and yeah. then and then yeah, like but none of the teachers, right? They were all like yeah, they were all like sort of middle aged white guys, and then like the one female teacher who might have been a little bit younger than them. Um, yeah, it was just uh, yeah, a very like interesting mix there. Whereas like now, I don't know like how many like inner city schools now. I'm, I'm imagining like it's probably it's probably the reverse, right? Where it's like mostly black and hispanic maybe like you know maybe like one or two like token white kids uh but then yeah like it's uh it's very different right like you well you went to school like near chicago right like didn't it was your school like that like kind of no, a no, my school, or... it was very you know it was it was right on the border of chicago but like the the racial patterns were completely tied to the uh, geography so like in my suburb it was like everyone was white once you uh, one block over uh, with Chicago and you, you'd get the black school. So I, I had one or two black students in my, uh, students in like my high school. But like, if you go to the store, it'd be like 50% black because they were close in close uh, proximity. Um, so yeah. So yeah. And the, uh, Chicago is like, you know, one of the most segregated in the country, but a lot of, I mean, a lot of these cities are, are segregated because of people move based on, well, I uh, think, um, school district. Blackboard jungle seemed at least like, so it seemed accurate enough because so, so i read um i read thomas soul's memoir uh pretty recently and he described the schools in uh in in harlem and and then like yeah later he went to stuyvesant but like yeah he went to different schools around new york city and my my impression was like yeah it was it was something like blackboard jungle where it was like because because the names you know like thomas Soul would say oh i made friends with this kid and it was an italian name or like i knew this kid it was an irish name but then there were black kids too so i think it was like it, and he was describing the late 1940s when all of this was happening in his life. So I think like, yeah, like or mid, mid late 1940s. So I think at that point, uh, at least in New York city, which I think is where blackboard jungle takes place, right? Is this in New York? Um, that uh, uh, it's, it's a, he's a new teacher at North manual trades, high school, an inner city high school of diverse ethnic backgrounds, but does it have a, yeah, doesn't describe the city that it's in. Um, anyway, so yeah, I think that's, yeah, the, that kind of, uh, ethnic breakdown makes sense though in that, in that school, but I don't know the city it takes place in, or if it's supposed to be ambiguous. Yeah. Like, so the cities were overwhelmingly white for well beyond the 1950s. Um, a lot of cities were, uh, what was New York city's demographic in 1950? What would you guess? What percentage white? Well, so today New York city is like 30% roughly. Yeah. Um in nineteen fifty, probably probably seventy, I'd say. Yeah, I would guess seventy or eighty, something like no, that. No, probably eighty. I would say closer to eighty, right? Like before the Hard Seller Act, before like mass immigration, like yeah, it was probably like yeah. most especially in the poor areas, right? It was like Polish, Irish, Italian, like you know. I mean if you, yeah, you know, New if York you count City, Italians as white, which some people don't. Yeah. Uh let's see here. Two era uh, yeah, it was over 90% non-Hispanic white until the post-World War II era. Hispanics, Asians began selling him a hat in the 1920s and after World War II. Uh, so yeah, I mean, probably around 90 uh, until the yeah, it says until the post-World War II era. So yeah, by 1955, probably 90 or 80 um, at, at, at lowest. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, this it looks, yeah, this looks uh, right. Um, yeah. I think I think that's the demographics at least are correct. Now, does Thomas Sowell talk about um, like like violent scenes, like in the way like this this? Yeah, movie, yeah, like, he does actually. No, like nothing, nothing on the level of Blackboard Jungle. Like he doesn't talk about like knife wielding or like you know trying to rape a teacher, but he does talk about like like yeah, he talks about getting into a fist. Actually, yeah, he talks about fist fighting one of his teachers. <laughs> does he? <laughs> he yeah, funny. he himself like. Yeah, I get, yeah, he describes the scene. He's in a classroom. I don't know how old he is. He's probably, yeah, maybe middle school. Um, and yeah, like a teacher like whacked him over the head and then like Soul gets up and starts swinging punches at him. And then like, yeah, they get into this altercation and the teacher like threatens. Wait, the, 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 teacher, the teacher smacks him first? Yeah, the teacher like smacks him upside <laughs> the head. And then, and then Soul's immediately on his feet and starts swinging. And then, uh, yeah, he threatens disciplinary action. And Soul, like, he's like, you know, he writes, you know, I knew that teachers weren't allowed to, like, physically hit their students. So I called his bluff and said, you know, go ahead, like, you know, go ahead and do whatever you need to do. I'm just going to whatever report you. And then the teacher ended up backing down. But yeah, so and then, and then yeah, he talks a lot about, like, just fights breaking out in the schools. And, like, you know, he kind of, like, glosses over 
Like, you know, he just says like, yeah, we get into trouble, we get into mischief, but he doesn't give too many specifics other than the occasional fight breaking out in the middle of a class. So in some ways, yeah, I guess I can believe that this is, you know, maybe Blackboard Jungle is like, you know, perhaps an accurate or like an exaggerated or embellished version of, of reality in some of these schools. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah. So I want to read, I want to read his biography now. I've read his, uh, I read his like, I, you know, economic stuff. <laughs> I really want to, I really do want to read his biography. Like his, his, his book is good. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. I, yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it seems like just like the, the common theme here is like, I mean, today, like, you know, the, the, the you know, they shoot each other. It seems like the you know it seems like the theme here is like everyone sort of maybe had more testosterone because you see these things about like testosterone <laughs> declining or sperm yeah. quality it's, yeah it's sperm both like those, sperm count and yeah. T levels are supposedly yeah. dropping yeah it's so like teachers like you know you dare the teacher he smacks you like the teachers today don't do that like the kid hits back they see a pretty girl they want to go after her like you know it, it seems like that's all just related to. Uh, being higher testosterone and maybe that's just maybe that's like the difference between that and now now we have i don't know we have more we have more violent crime i wonder how much of it is just like guns like if we I, I, you know i don't know if like the like the like, you know people started shooting each other you know i think in the like late, late 1960s so like i think that like you know gun could like guns became more available i'm not 100 percent sure about this but i, I they might have become more available in the 1960s um and that could well, have, i have seen know, research yeah. that like the the percentage of 12th graders who've been in a fist fight has declined considerably like over the last few decades um so like yeah physical violence like it, especially like like everything else right like all the data that like gene twangy and jonathan Haidt they always share this like after whatever smartphones everything started declining but like fist fights are like that's just another example of this pattern that like it was relatively stable actually i mean it, it was like a a, a a slow decline since whatever the mid-20th century whenever they started collecting these data uh but then yeah after the smartphone like fist fights dropped a lot because like yeah, i remember like fights breaking out in my schools too like on a pretty regular basis and like it's funny to think about it now but like kids were getting into fist fights at like eight o'clock in the morning like now i think about the idea of like fighting someone at 8 a.m like it's just <laughs> like so like but like you know you're so hopped up on energy of like yeah. i don't know whatever i think like smartphones uh you know yeah i think like t levels were probably dropping even before the smartphone but i think like that had some kind of a, like an effect too of just like people just engaging in less physical activity in general yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, uh, but just like casual violence. Yeah. So another thing Pinker has in his book is like he has ads from the 1950s and what is like telling you to work out or something. I don't know, selling you a workout plan or something. It's just like, you know, you'll be, it's like the, the, the payoff is you'll beat up this guy who like talks to your girl or you'll beat up this guy who tries to mess with you. Right. Like you don't see that anymore. You don't see it like just maybe in the 1980s, like the bully movies, like where you'd be bullied and then you beat them up. Like you still had this, I think up until the 1980s, really. Um, I think 1990s, I think you get a real feminization. I think you get a real uh, sort of like the startup therapy culture where they start giving boys, you know, boys drugs. Uh, we start <laughs> talking about, you know, our emotions. Uh, you have the Sopranos in the late 1990s sort of just, it's, it's like sort of like uh, demonstrating this culture. I think you, you see the rise of sort of big psychiatry and sort of like this, uh, this feminization uh, between, you know, there's, it's gradual, like between the fifties and the eighties, but then I think the eighties and the nineties. Um, I think that was like a really big difference in that. Yeah. It's been going more in that direction ever since. Oh, uh, maybe yeah. with the war on terror, maybe and there was sort of like a little bit of a uptick in like masculinity. I think it like after nine 11 hey. and George W. Bush. Um, yeah. Cause if you look at like, like all the anti-hero dramas in the movies, right? Like, okay. Yeah. Tony Soprano goes to therapy, but like, there's still a ton of violence in the Sopranos and yeah, the shield and all. Yeah. A lot of those shows, like it was a really interesting, like, like a it was sort of a conservative turn in a lot of the media and the pop culture uh in the 2000s um so i think like yeah they may have been like a, a sort of mini revival of some of this stuff um and like yeah at least like you know it may, may have been like a function of the town that i grew up in too and like the people i was around but like yeah i remember like you know wwf was popular like monster trucks were popular like just generally like sort of mayhem and violence and destruction was still like cool and interesting um, and well, yeah, over the last few years, it's like that stuff is done. Although WWF, we call it WWE now. Like half the wrestling is now women's wrestling. So like in the nineteen nineties, <laughs> women's really? wrestling was like broad patties matches. They would you, did you watch it? They would have like spanking matches. Yeah. And now, those. like I felt, the women, I felt weird. I was like eleven watching them. I'm like, should I be doing <laughs> this? You know. <laughs> and, and so yeah, the and, but now like they have women wrestlers and they just treat the like I don't watch it, but as far as like what I see on commercials, they seem to be just treated like. <laughs> Like uh, like the male wrestlers, I'm surprised that this has this has 
like a market for this for like young boys do young boys just want to see like girls fight in the way that like men fight and have rivalries i don't know um but whatever they've gone they've gone in that direction um and so yeah yeah the yeah the uh yeah and they, and they you know they have them like you know they they give the women wrestlers like you know like high billing like they'll, they'll show them in the commercial it's the same with the nba they'll have like commercials like they'll put the nba with the w and then wba is not profitable uh the wnba you know t- till to this day uh does not have you know does not make money um and so why are you know why are they doing this it might be the same with the wrestling it just might be like it's politically correct ideology you know people uh in the, in the companies you know feel like like you couldn't like fold the wnba you couldn't just say the wnba is unpopular um doesn't make any money we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna stop we're gonna stop having it people would go people would go crazy uh well, so yeah it's, it's is it like it's sort of a tax second. they pay for like social cred right like they pay this tax to be seen as like fashionable and politically correct and sort of you know doing their part to like shape the culture in a more progressive direction so like they're almost they're willing to like exchange economic capital for cultural capital yeah. Yeah. I think once they, when they started it, I probably was like, thought it might be a profitable at some point, but I think like now, like you can't come <laughs> to the conclusion that you can't, you can't dismantle it now. Yeah. I like, yeah. So did you enjoy the, did you enjoy watching this film? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought, oh yeah, yeah. So, so one more thing on the, uh, the, um, uh, sort of whatever the, the attitudes around sex and gender, there was a scene where, um, so, so, so Dottie's wife, she's pregnant, half his age. And, uh, and at one point he, he says something to her about like, you know, when the, when the kid is born and he says, uh, you know, with, with, with your looks and my brains, this kid's going to be a winner. They couldn't have that today. You know, like, mm-hmm. like a, the man telling his wife, his pregnant wife with your looks and my brains. Like, yeah. And then, yeah, like it's, it's consistent with the, the her earlier quote that you, you mentioned about like, you know, am I pretty? Do you think I'm pretty? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like she cares about like, the, yeah. She's like, it's, like, it's okay for her. To, yeah. You could, you, and you couldn't do it opposite. You couldn't say with the man's, uh, looks and her bra- she has to be superior in looks and braids like she can't you can't you can't insult her looks either <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you can't insult anything everything yeah it's 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 like that sort of um whatever like isn't there some kind of a name for this syndrome of like the like more recent like female characters like protagonists in movies where they don't struggle right they're already perfect and this is part of why they're actually like less interesting is because like you know, historic you know, like the female superheroes apparently like they're already perfect throughout the movie and like there's no struggle um but but anyway so so this movie uh yeah this is um yeah i mean i i enjoyed it like it was uh you know i i always expect these kind of like older movies to be a bit slower and like the pacing's a little different and yeah but i know oh, it's i like i watched it i'm glad i watched it like i stayed with it and you know generally i enjoy watching these kind of older movies uh I, like just just for like the stories in themselves are always interesting because they're always simpler right like they, you don't have to have plot twists and ulterior motives and like four different subplots going on like movies used to be very simple and straightforward. There's sort of like one, like an A plot and a B plot, almost like a sitcom and like maybe one or two supporting characters. And then it's just like very easy to follow, uh, which is part of why they're kind of slow. But uh, yeah, it's like a, a glimpse into a different part of American history. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah. Oh, by the way, did you notice, did you notice that like the poster for the film, like is basically the scene where the woman gets attacked in the library. Oh, on the Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So she's looking at the bat. She's like, ah, like you know she's like screaming and she's about to get startling picture another thing that was really modern about the race thing it just reminds me that like the black guy can't be pure evil like the 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 blonde kid the the kid who's pure evil is Artie. you know he tries to make his wife have a miscarriage he tries to get the guy fired he's just bad there's nothing good or redeeming about this guy at all while gregory is like a dignified black man um, who, you know, like mouths off or, or whatever, but is actually like a good guy and isn't going to like kill his teacher, you know, or race. He saves him in the end, right? Yeah, he ends up being his ally in the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's also pretty modern. Like the black guy, like the if there's a monster, it has to be the white guy. And like the black guy has to be like, you know, more complex. He can't be just like pure evil. That is so interesting, that, that, that asymmetry there uh, where the attitudes on sex are like very like 1950s, right? Whereas the attitudes on race are, yeah, they're very contemporary where like a lot of it could be, yeah, like like 2009, basically. Like that is sort of where it is. Yeah, like in a way, like, yeah, we, we sort of reverted back in some ways with the like post-Great Awakening. But yeah, it's like, huh, 
Yeah, like yeah, a lot of those things. Yeah, still the thing that shocked me the most was like when when Dottie gets called into the principal. You were making racist. I'm like this 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 happened in the 1950s. <laughs> but, but yeah, that, the, the yeah, that's a good point too. That like the whitest blondest kid yeah. is the most <laughs> the most evil kid. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah yeah that's right. Yeah, the Hispanic one is pretty yeah pretty harmless. Just makes makes jokes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad we watch this because you know I feel like we've been propagandized a lot about like the past and just watching like the cultural products of the time, I think just gives you a uh, different perspective. So I wouldn't have got, I mean, the race is good. I think that's the lesson. A race is like nothing has changed. I mean, a lot has obviously changed, but like it's recognizable. It's not a different planet. It's like we, we get like what they're doing uh, on black and white issues and on, on sex. It's like, it's like looking at a different culture. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, from 1800 or something. I mean, it really is. We've, we've progressed uh quite quite a long way on that um so yeah i mean like yeah like and so of course like you know homosexuality whatever it's not even not even portrayed you know it'd be interesting to see like what the earliest portrayal portrayals of like homosexuality are in films and like how is that it's like different but i want to do more of this i want to watch more like 1940s and 1950s movies because i think it's i think it's a just a fascinating time capsule yeah 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 i agree i um yeah, yeah, I'm up for it to watch to watch more of these. Yeah, this thing. Yeah, I never would have watched like this movie was not on my radar at all. Like, I don't think I've, I've heard of the song. Like, the song is like this is one of those things where the song becomes more popular than the movie. Um, but yeah, I, I would have never watched this otherwise. But yeah, when you when you said like this is this the movie that launched the the popularity of the song, like that intrigued me. I'm like, huh, interesting. Like, I didn't realize it was tied into a, a film. And then yeah, like uh, yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah, good movie. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And. We'll probably we'll probably do then more old movies then. Until next time, Rob.